Okay, so this is very interesting. When Jesus says here that the problem is a sheep without a shepherd, I'll bet 99% of you, and rightfully so, what comes to mind is church leadership, not doing good things, doing stupid things, being caught in scandal, whatever it might be. That's the first thing that comes to mind, and rightfully so. We have some good bishops, like Bishop Cordleone, who I've spoken with and talked to, Bishop Paprocki, Bishop Strickland. We've got some great sheep. Then we've got some not-so-great sheep. But what this passage is about, and what Brother Stephen read in the first reading, is not so much about sheep without a shepherd, meaning they are deserting us in terms of um, they're doing dumb things and, and this and that, which is true. That is being a shepherd without a sheep, or a sheep without a shepherd. But what does it say the Lord did when he realized the sheep are without a shepherd? What does it say he did next? He began to teach them many things. So you know what Jesus is referring to here? Not knowing the truth. So then I stumbled upon something in the Navari Bible that I would like to share with you. <clears throat> it said, our Lord had planned a period of rest for himself and his disciples from the pressures of the apostolate. And he had no change, I'm sorry, and he has to change his plans because so many people come eager to hear him speak. Not only is he not annoyed with them, he feels compassion at seeing their need. My people are destroyed by a lack of knowledge. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They need instruction, and our Lord wants to meet this need by preaching to them. Hmm. Now, this is the one that shocked me from St. Hosea Scriva, an amazing saint in his work, Christ is Passing By, page 109. St. Hosea Scriva said, yes, Jesus is moved by hunger and sorrow. And that's the first thing people think of when they think of Jesus. Feed the hungry, accompany the sorrowful, and that makes perfect sense. I had one online comment that said, why don't you get out there and go feed the poor? Well, we have different charisms. We do, we do do that. But here's what he said. St. Jose Escriva, Jesus is moved by hunger and sorrow, but what moves him most is ignorance. Jesus just saw the sheep without a shepherd. He was moved. What did he do? He taught them. Why is this so important? 
Because Thomas Aquinas teaches us, you've heard me say this before, you cannot love what you do not know. And I started thinking, I had one person email me or write in the comments and I responded back and they said, Father, I'm absolutely shocked at the hatred for Mary. If you read the um, comments on the talk we did that Mary would be the potential link of bringing Islam, Muslims back to Jesus, not back to, but to Jesus Christ, the comments were just, and most of the comments on hatred of Mary were Christians. And so this person said, I'm absolutely shocked by the hatred of Mary. And these are Christians. So I started thinking about this because sometimes we can get our passions, can get all riled up. And sometimes I want to pick up the, the sword of truth and, 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 and come riding in with the sword of truth. But, and I got to be careful not to answer those comments after midnight, which I do often, because the next day I read them, I'm like, oh man, I shouldn't have said that. I wasn't charitable enough. And I really appreciate people like Jerome and K.A. Fleury and other of you guys out there that help answer these questions lovingly. Uh, to people who are in hatred of our Blessed Mother, especially. And I realized, why would they hate Mary? Why would you hate Mary? I had once say she's the whore of Babylon. She's the one that rides on the back of the beast. Really, do we think that the mother that Christ came to this earth, that God chose from all eternity to come to this earth, was going to be riding the beast as the harlot of a prostitute? I mean, come on. But before I said, before I got frustrated, I said, we, what we learn in seminary, always look to the root. When somebody comes in for the same sin and they come to the confessional and they say, Father, I've been confessing the same sin. I sound like a broken record. Instead of just giving them absolution and sending them on their way just to have them come back again, the priest should try to go in and find what's the root cause. If it's alcoholism or pornography or promiscuity or anger or hatred or lack of forgiveness, there's always some underlying meaning. So as I started thinking, what's the underlying meaning for the hatred of Mary? I realized it's ignorance. We cannot love what we do not know. So if we don't know our faith, if we don't know Mary, if we don't know why God uses her, then we're not going to love that part of our faith. And many people have left the church because of it. So this is what I wanted to point out. So the truth is this important. We always must start with the truth, but I have to learn myself it always has to be done in love. It can't be done in self-righteousness or justification or that we have the truth and you don't. We have to do it in love to bring people to Christ. Now, as I said before, the intellect precedes the will. This is what Thomas Aquinas tells us. So as good shepherds, we need to give you the truth. So what I tried to do, of course, like during the election, not supporting political parties, simply telling you what the church teaches are the most important issues. Dignity of human life, the sanctity of marriage, and the preservation of religious liberty. You heard me say that. But several of you, you know, um, were receptive. Others were want. It, it's okay. The point is we have to realize 
We start with the truth, but it's always got to be in love. And that's where I know I'm lacking sometimes because I do get frustrated because I'm like, the truth, don't you see it? <laughs> and so I think this is a good um, humbling for me too, to learn, Father, Father Chris, you have to realize it's always got to be done in love. Now, I've met many who have born Catholics, but don't care what the church teaching is. I don't care about that. I think this. Now, cultural relativism is killing us. It's what's destroying our free world and it's undermining our very existence as a nation. What is cultural relativism? Cultural relativism is don't give me your truth. I have my truth. Don't tell me what you believe. I don't care. I believe what I do. I believe marriage can be between two men. I do believe marriage can be between two women. I do believe it's a woman's right to take a life in the womb. It's her body. Don't give me your truth. I have my truth. The problem is you can't have two truths. And with 40,000 Christian denominations, you can't have 40,000 truths. There's only one truth. And that truth has to trump our opinion. You've all heard me tell the story. I, I, I love that story of Dominican house with the priest when two seminarians were arguing one day, I think it was about, um, I think it was immigration. And, and, and the one seminarian says, I think this. And the other seminarian says, well, my opinion is that. And the priest walked in, God bless him. And he says, he overheard the conversation. And he says, what you think doesn't matter. Your opinion means nothing. Oh my gosh, they were shocked in this world where you can't offend anybody, in this world where all that matters are feelings and opinions way more than the truth, they were shocked to hear this priest say that. God bless the priest. Nobody had ever spoken to those seminarians like that before. He says, your opinion doesn't matter. What you think doesn't matter. Your opinion means nothing. What matters is the truth. It doesn't matter what your viewpoint is on marriage or abortion. What matters is the truth. And what is the truth? It's given to us by God. How do we know that? The church. This is what is so important. This church was set up to give us the truth. I'm so grateful that God has given us a chance to live stream because there's another uh, young lady that I was corresponding with yesterday and all every line she said was, where's that in the Bible? Where's that in the Bible? Where's that? So, you know, I would quote where it's at in the Bible, but there are some things that are not in the Bible. So I brought up human cloning, artificial intelligence, contraception, life support, pulling the plug, where is that in the Bible? Are you going to find human cloning in the Bible? It didn't exist. Are you going to find pulling the plug in the Bible? It didn't exist. Even contraception to some degree. Are you going to find that? No, you're not going to find that in the Bible. That's the exact reason we can't always say, where's that in the Bible? Because the Bible says itself that it can't contain everything. The last chapter of the last gospel, John, says very clearly that the Bible does not contain everything. Sola Scriptura, Bible only, is not in the Bible. The Bible gives us a foundation. 
And that truth is truth. But we need to be able to have an interpreting body. This is why the church was set up with the same three legs of our faith as the Jews. Do you know the Catholic Church has three legs to our stool? Our stool of faith, does, does a stool stand with one leg? No. Does a stool stand with two legs? No. What does a chair have to have? Three legs. Or it's not going to stand. The three legs of our stool are sacred scripture. Nobody doubts that. Apostolic tradition, not man-made tradition. If you hear the word tradition in the Catholic Church, it's apostolic, not man-made. means it comes from Christ and the apostles. And a magisterium, the teaching body of the church. The Jews had the exact same three legs of their stools. Sacred scripture, they had the Torah and the Pentateuch. Tradition, it came down with Moses from the mountain. This magisterium, that is the teaching authority of Moses. The Jews had the same three legs of the stool as we do. A stool doesn't stand on one leg or two, three. Scripture, apostolic tradition, and magisterium. People say, well, Father, you think, another great one that was online. I know I spend way too much time answering these questions online, but God bless them. He says, you Catholics think the Pope is God. Please, don't tell all these beautiful listeners what the Catholic Church teaches when it's wrong. The Church doesn't teach the Pope is God. In fact, the Church doesn't even teach the Pope is always infallible. The Pope is only infallible when he makes a statement either ex cathedra from the chair, which has only happened two times in history, or when it's definitively declared as infallible in union with the College of Bishops in the entire church, spoken in unison, not unilaterally, and regarding only faith and morals. So if the Pope wants to speak out on immigration, it's not infallible. And you can disagree. That's not seeing the Pope as God. Jesus set up the papacy to lead the church as part of the magisterium. This is very important. So Jesus says we need shepherds. This is why we're praying that the live stream is helping some of you. Because if, if you're a sheep without a shepherd, we invite you to come. Come to the shrine. We have a beautiful full shrine. Most of the good Catholics are sitting in the back. But God bless you. You're free to come here, either live stream or in person. This is beautiful. All right. But sadly, not all our shepherds are standing together. Why? Because of the truth. One bishop I mentioned was Bishop Cardleone in San Francisco. Bishop Cardleone, I remember speaking with him several times, and we spoke together, and I was with him one time, and I just told him how I admired his courage. He's in California, one of the most difficult places, and he's standing for the truth. God bless this guy. And he's, he's standing for the truth. And here, another, I won't mention his name, but another California bishop, as Bishop Cardleone says, the dignity of human life is preeminent. Life in the womb is preeminent. Well, Father, capital punishment, okay, we were def definitely, as Catholics, attacked during the election for saying abortion is preeminent. 
and people will bring up capital punishment. Okay, abortion kills over 1 million babies a year. Capital punishment last year killed 22. Of those 1 million babies, 100% were innocent. 100% were defenseless. Of the 22, we would hope, you know, there could be variances, but they weren't all innocent. They weren't all defenseless. You can't compare the magnitude. You can't. And that's church teaching. That's why the church says that protection of life in the womb is preeminent. So Bishop Corleone made this statement. And another bishop from his own state said, this is not true. That's what it means to not be shepherd, having good shepherds. For another bishop to come out and say what Bishop Cordleone said is not true is unbelievable and should be addressed. We need to support the truth, and he hasn't. Some have, I should say some haven't. So anyway, to finish, today opinions and feelings are more important than the truth. We can't have that. Some people are well-intentioned, this is true. You know, in fact, the truth is so important that, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas said that your conscience, which holds the truth, is so important that you are obligated to follow your conscience even when it is in error. What does that mean? You are required to follow, if your conscience says it's wrong, you are obligated to follow that even if you are in error. The catch here is you are obligated to inform your conscience. You are obligated to learn the teaching of the church. That's why we have the catechism. The catechism teaches us everything we need to know. There's almost nothing you can't find in it. But so many Catholics say, I don't want that. That's man-made. No, it's from the authority Christ gave to his church. You know, I always ask my kids that I teach in catechism now, why did God create you? I've probably asked that of over a thousand kids since I've been teaching, and not one, not one has said to know God, to love him and serve him, and to be happy with him in this life and forever in all eternity. Not one. 50 years ago, every Catholic child knew that question from the Baltimore Catechism. The problem, I think, in our society is we don't know the truth. That was the problem of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, people think, ate from the tree of life. That's not what they ate from. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Knowledge. Knowledge is that important. Why? They wanted to be their own God. Every time we put our own opinion ahead of God's teaching through the church, we eat the apple that Adam and Eve ate, and we bring a destruction, sin. What is the sin of Adam and Eve and the result of it? The sin is pride, because in their knowledge, they wanted to be their own God, that's what the, the dire consequence of following our own, our own opinion. And not, now I'm not saying we're blind robots. No. The church leaves you a wide range of how you act and what you do, 
but there's a guiding truth. But the consequence of our fallen nature is a darkened intellect. That is the problem. We now have a darkened intellect. So these are things that we have to understand. And in the midst of it, Jesus tells us, get out there, teach the truth, live it, be the example. But don't forget in the meantime to get some rest. Because when we don't, and that's where my problem comes in, every day over at the center of midnight thinking I'm doing God's work. And then I read some of the things I do the next day and I'm like, man, I was tired and I was not loving. And so we must take a break to get some rest. God bless my sister and all of you for praying for my mom. It's been very hard on my family. And, and, and I have prayed for my mom. She's had some setbacks and my poor sister, uh, my father had her rent her a condo out. And, and now my sister being 24 seven caretaker for my mom and my parents, now she has nowhere to go. Uh, she doesn't have a refuge to be able to get away, not meaning like she has nowhere to eat or whatever, but or nowhere to sleep, meaning she has no refuge to get away. So I got upset a little bit with my father and said, you got to give Pam, God bless her. I love her more than anything in this world. She's the perfect example of a Christian. She's got to have the ability to get away once in a while to clear her head. Why do you do that? Why do you need rest? Because then your head is clear. Your intellect is not darkened and you can see the truth. The worst mistakes I make is where I haven't taken that chance to stop, clear my mind, clear my intellect and speak from the truth in love. So let us learn from this passage today that God gives us that is always enlightened by the gift that he gave in the church. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.